welcome to this BTOG podcast. Uh, my name is Tom Newsom Davis. I am the uh, vice chair of the BTOG steering committee. I'm a medical oncologist treating lung cancer in Chelsea Westminster Hospital in London. This is part of our regular podcast series entitled BTOG Dud, where we have informal chats with experts in their field and we tackle the most important questions that we all face in the diagnosis and the treatment of thoracic cancers. It is important to say that the sponsors of BTOG do not have any role whatsoever in the planning, content or delivery of anything we go on to discuss. So today's podcast is a bit different. Um, it is BTOG does BTOG. In other words, it's our 20th anniversary. And uh, at the risk of sounding a little bit self-congratulatory and a little bit of navel, navel gazing, I thought it would be really interesting to review what BTOG is and what it's achieved in the past 20 years as we get through our childhood to our difficult teens and into the joys of adulthood. And who better to join me than Sanjay Popat, who is the chair, of course, of the BTOG steering committee. Uh, Sanjay, welcome to BTOG Does. Hi Tom, great to be here, thank you. So um, we're going to have a bit of a ramble through things. And I was looking through the list of questions I was going to ask you, which I drew up in advance. And the first line I wrote was, what is the point of BTOG? And I think I kind of meant really, um, what is the aim? Uh, what is the focus of BTOG? How would you sum that up? Basically, it's to ensure that we are delivering the best quality care, best practice that we can to our patients. And that's not just in the treatment side, but in the uh, diagnostic side and the holistic care and supporting our patients. We just want to make sure that wherever you are in the UK, you as a patient are getting the absolute best care because uh, the doctors and the multidisciplinary team that are looking after you are the best educated that they can be and have full access to all the information that they need to provide the best service to you. So education, big thing. What, what, what do we do apart from education? Yeah, so I mean, our, our mission is really to deliver this through uh, three main pillars, uh, education, uh, facilitation of research and representation. And they're the three cornerstone uh, aspects of everything that we do. And looking at our numbers recently, looking at the BTOG um, annual conference, we have big representation for respiratory medicine, big represent representation for medical and clinical oncology. What other kind of people are coming to BTOG and who do we want to really get involved as much as we can? Well, you know, if you're involved in the management of patients with thoracic malignancies, you should be a member of uh, BTOG. And I don't really see how you can keep up to date in the really fast paced changing world of thoracic malignancies if you don't have a resource like BTOG to fall back on, both in terms of your, your, your delivery uh, and your ability to network with peers. Um, we want everybody to be involved. That includes radiologists, includes surgeons, includes pathologists, includes physios, includes nurse specialists, includes trainees, whatever your mm. specialty yeah. as a trainee. And in fact, one of the things I really I'm very proud of is the fact we've got some superb trainee representatives on our steering committee and we've got um, a great trainee representation in what we do. Yeah and in fact we've got the uh, the journal club setting up haven't we which I think has been quite successful and I think you're right because certainly when I became interested in thoracic oncology I didn't quite know where to go and what to do and I think this would be something we'd encourage everyone to do. Okay so that's kind of what what BTOG is that's the point of BTOG. Um, how did it start? Who started it? 20 years ago, before my time, yeah. of course. Well, absolutely. You were still in the nappies, I'm sure. I was. Um, 
<laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it was, it was in fact an, an idea that was, was born in the late 90s, in 97. Um, of course, I was in Napoli at the time as well. You were indeed. indeed. Um, and at that time, it was uh, an, an idea mooted between various people. Uh, initially at the World Lung Cancer Conference, uh, the eighth World Lung Cancer Conference in Dublin, uh, which Des Carney was uh, hosting. And he, various people, including Ken O'Byrne, uh, who's a medical oncologist, um, you know, really wanted a UK and Irish specific group uh, to be able to network, to be able to bounce ideas off each other, to be able to run research studies and to be able to disseminate information uh, and to be able to ensure that the high standards that each of the individuals have for their patients can be disseminated throughout uh, the British Isles and Ireland. And that's when the idea was born. Um, in fact, it was in initially going to be called Bristow. Um, that was the original uh, potential name for various reasons. I'm trying to work out what Bristow stands for. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure British is in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, there then was a further meeting at the next World Lung Cancer Conference in San Francisco. I think that was about 2001. But actually, BTOG was actually crystallised as an organisation in 2002 uh, with colleagues mainly driven from Leicester, Ken O'Byrne, uh, Dave Waller, um, Mick Peak, uh, also others uh, who are really important in the history of thoracic malignancy in the UK, uh, Dennis Talbot, Marianne Nicholson, all played huge roles in ensuring that the UK got together mm. to form a society mm. that could really deliver uh, the, uh, uh, the best care and best discussion uh, for patients with malignancies. And is, is that where the, the Dublin link comes from? Because something which is often people remember BTOF for is the annual meeting. They know it's, it has been until recently in, in Dublin and they get a bit confused. Um, Dublin, of course, not being in Britain. Yeah, is absolutely. that where it comes from? Yeah, it, it is. Well, you know, the first meeting was actually just off the M1 in Hinckley, uh, uh, which glamorous. came Yeah, very glamorous. A um, couple of hundred people turned up. It's not bad for a, for a mm. meeting. A bit grim, uh, I'm told. I, I was there. Uh, not the usual standards we have these days. Um, uh, but you know, it, it kicked off there. And then uh, Ken was the uh, chair of the organisation. He eventually moved from Leicester to Dublin, and then solidified the meeting in Dublin. And you know, it's become a tradition since then. Ken moved to to Australia, and you know. My, my view on most things in life is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it works very well in Dublin, yeah. so we, we, we kept it there. Certainly does. Now, you and I are part of the uh, steering committee, um, Collection of Good and the Great. Um, but certainly in the past few years, we've had a bit more of a separation of steering committee and trustees. What, what are the trustees about? What do they do? How do they make sure uh, we behave ourselves? So, you know, one of the things I, I did when I became chair is actually you know, we, we, we're basically just a group of people that are working together for a common mission and purpose. And so we, you know, work, we've, we've worked together uh, over the last few years to make uh, BTOG a registered charity. We're governed by the UK Charity Commission, uh, which means we have to have a governance structure. Uh, and that's really important, actually, because accountability, uh, independence uh, and governance are absolutely critical. We want to make sure that uh, there is complete um, integrity in everything that we do. So the trustees are the people that vouchsafe our organisation, uh, a learned group of uh, five individuals chaired by my colleague currently, Martin Grange, who uh, BTOG report up to, and they oversee everything that we do and uh, you know, uh, ensure that what we do is within the scope and remit of our charitable mission, which is enshrined in, in the legal documents that support our 
uh, charity. Um, but the direction of what we do, the decisions we make week to week, month to month, is within the steering committee. Yeah, fundamentally. Um, so, the, so, so it's driven on a regular basis by the steering committee, and that's about 28 different individuals from different multidisciplinary backgrounds, oncologists, radiation oncologists, medical oncologists, pathologists, uh, scientists, uh, trials uh, staff, um, nurses, um, trainees, patient representatives, the entire gamut of uh, everybody involved in, in, in the field um, uh, is the steering committee. And the steering committee uh, essentially make group decisions on strategic priorities. They set the plan uh, for work during the uh, year and support us in the delivery of, of all of the aims and objectives that the organization has uh, within the remit of uh, what, what the trustees uh, approve. And what about funding? Who who funds um, BTOX? It's it's more. We should point out to listeners. It's more than just an annual meeting, um, yeah. and we're very keen to to yeah. talk about the number of facets we do. Where does the money come from? Yeah. So you know the the the, the majority of the funding that we get is from our registrants uh, for the events that we run. We don't just run the annual meeting. That's one of many different things that we do. Uh, and the, the majority of the income that we get is from our registrants. We, of course, have uh, sponsorship from industry, um, but we are keen to make sure that, you know, we have the appropriate governance and policies in place so that we manage that potential conflict of interest, as you'd expect any professional organisation to be, be able to do. So our uh, sponsors, uh, our industry sponsors, for example, have no role whatsoever. In the content or delivery of any of the uh, programs that we run. They may choose to run their own program embedded for an hour within a, a program that we run. That's a separate event that's run by them and is branded by them as their uh, industry um, uh, marketing or medical uh, uh, talk or symposium. Mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 the funding is completely separate and they're independent. Um. So that's helpful to clarify. Um, we talked about the other things we do. So we've got the annual meeting. We have obviously this outstanding podcast series, um, which you're clearly listening to. Um, what other things um, are you particularly proud about that, that we do? Because there's some kind of things going on behind the scenes. So for example, people may not know that uh, BTOG has a representation to every lung cancer specific, nice um, technology oh. appraisal. You know, that is one of the biggest pieces of work that we have to do. And, you know, it's a huge amount of work. So every single appraisal in the thoracic malignancies field that comes to NICE, there is a BTOG representative at that uh, appraisal, fighting the corner, making sure that common sense tries to prevail. And I have to say, usually, the, you know, the team have done a great job uh, in, in ensuring that that happens. And you've got to remember, this is not just a meeting. This is a process which often involves several meetings can be dragged out over the course of over a year. I can remember many appraisals which have been dragged out over the year. And you know, these days we have pre-NICE meetings, we have CDF meetings, we have C CDF revalidation meetings for mm. NICE, uh, we have reappraisal meetings. So it's a massive amount of work. And that's really a, a lot of the representation that we do to make sure that all this great data we're seeing in conferences is available for people yeah. up and down the country. And it is very interesting. I, I did one a couple of weeks ago. I've got another one tomorrow because I'm such a hero. Um, and um, what's really interesting is that when you're there and you speak as the clinical expert, people do shut up and listen. 
yeah, uh, which is a rarity in my life, but it, it's it's great. And you realize that even they're representing a, a an auspicious organization like BTOG, you, you do have influence. Um, yeah, I, I think that's right, because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, people want to know what the experts in the field think about certain aspects. And that's not just mm. nice, that's that's all aspects of policy. And BTOG, it contributes to many, many, many fields of policy. I mean, you and I have exchanged how many documents about our recovery from the cancer pandemic? I mean, if I have to write another one, I think I'm good. <laughs> you may not recover. <laughs> yeah, quite. So, um, you know, there's a lot of work that people don't see, be, you know, behind the scenes in 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 policy and representation. So we, we've we've got the the annual meeting. We've got the the um, the nice stuff. We've also got kind of master classes and things that they'd be much more difficult to run, obviously, in in the era of of COVID. Yeah, that I may mean, change. They they have. I mean, one of the things we've been doing is is running our essential updates and also our master class uh, series. They have previously been one day face to face meetings pre pandemic. Um, if Boris is right, we'll be returning back to these, um, and I sincerely hope we do return back to face-to-face -face meetings before soon. We, we do run some of them virtually. In fact, you know, we run very successful virtual yeah. one-day meetings in, in screening and leading your MDT uh, recently. Uh, and, you know, we, we do want to come back to face-to-face, -to -face, but if we have to do things virtually, we'll do them virtually. And if I if I if I remember correctly, I think some of, a lot of those masterclasses are still available on the website. So there is a yeah, feedback so, function. Yeah, one of the one of the great great uh, uh, benefits of being a member is you have access to the great and the good, giving their views. And all of these meetings are downloadable. Uh, yeah. downloadable. So uh, essential questions now. Um, we haven't had a, a BTOG annual meeting for a couple of years. Last one was January twenty twenty. Seems like a million years ago. Um, when do you think we will have? So we have a meeting in July in London, we believe, yeah, um, which is going to be July. face to face but smaller. Yeah, eighth of July is going to be our um, summer meeting. Uh, we're all desperate to network, meet each other, and really chew chew the cut of data. Mm. And uh, you, you know, I think one of the things you and I both have learned is interactions with people over video are just rubbish. You know, yeah. there's very little you can do. It's, it's so artificial. And actually, the best ideas are just when you're just sitting with a few friends, um, yeah. uh, having a chat, and then suddenly something comes to mind, and you think, wow, this is brilliant. Let's take it forward. And actually, that, that is really the, the spirit of Beetle. Uh, we're going to a face to face meeting, 8th of July. Um, and, you know, we want to go back to a annual meeting. We need to consider where it's going to be. We need to consider what it's going to look like. We need to consider what time of the year it's going to be. All yeah. of those things are uh, being reviewed uh, over the course of the next few months, depending on how they plan. And I'm going to put you on the spot, like a politician. Will it be back in Dublin? Will it be in January? Or uh, are we going to go for a politician's answer of what time will tell? I, I think time will tell, but you know, I think I think knowing what we've seen with winter pressures, that's doesn't look like it's going to ease anytime soon. I think yeah. I'd be a bit surprised if it's in Dublin in January of 2020. Yeah, I don't, winter does seem to be a, not a great time for trying to get together uh, by and large. Yeah. But I, I do feel, you know, I feel if, if the July meeting goes ahead and goes well, then that's our, our beginnings of our ticket out um, of, of I this think, South I, situation. I, I think that is, you know, and we need to think about, um, you know, where we go with our annual meeting do we need to have franchise local meetings you know mm. each each alliance has the ability to host their own lung meeting um it'd be great to have a btog rep somebody beating the btog banner for each cancer alliance um and 
you know, running a program. Uh, I, I'd love to see that happen because, you know, there's so much pace of change, Tom. Mm. You know, it's really hard to keep up to date and um, facilitating great ideas, making sure that we're getting people, patients you know, recruited to trials, studies, um, uh, the, the whole the whole gamut of the uh, experience. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I would very much look forward to the face-to-face -face meetings. I remember my, my first Beatle was in 2011, so I was appointed 2010. And I, I remember very clearly walking into the hotel in Dublin. I knew three people of which you were one. Um, and I left after three days knowing about 50 people. And then the next year I came in knowing 50 and came out knowing about 300 and that's going to continued. Um, and I found it absolutely indispensable from someone who didn't really know anyone yeah. in the you know, oncology world. I, I agree. And, you know, the best thing that happens at, uh, at BTOG meetings, you say, well, you know, I saw I saw that case and I wasn't sure whether I should do A or B. What do you think? And yeah. we'll have a chat and then you'll both agree that A was actually the right answer. Yeah. And then, you know, you'll think, right, that's brilliant. And then. You know, it's that sort of crystallization of data in real life and context that, that really does um, uh, help moving the field forward. So two more questions in our last couple of minutes. Number one, what, what next for BTOC? We, we talked about hoping to get the face-to-face -face meetings going. Are there any other things that you have up your sleeve or the steering committee have up their sleeves that we might be focusing on in the next year apart from getting together again? Yeah, I mean, thymic malignancy is, is a big, big area of interest. We've launched a thymic interest uh, specialist group, which uh, my uh, uh, colleagues are uh, setting up and running very uh, efficiently. Uh, David Gilligan is is chairing it, and uh, we'll be seeing a lot of this activity uh, yeah. over the course of the ne next year. Um, we will be, um, you know, producing consensus uh, documents, guideline type of documentation, really to help. Uh, focus the uh, field in British uh, context, uh, along with uh, probably a research brainstorming meeting at some point uh, in the next uh, 12 to 18 months, depending on how uh, COVID pans out. And that's, you know, on top of the regular webinars, yeah. the education series, the uh, everything else that we do with, with NICE, for example. Yeah. Um, some of us who are longer in the tooth um, will remember BTOG2 trial, um, seminal study. Um, is there going to be a BTOG3? Is that part of the BTOG remit? Uh, or is that actually very difficult to, to flag a study like that? And have we been slightly replaced by the other research structures in, in the UK? Well, you know, in the UK, you can't do a study unless you have an IHR adoption. Um, that's just the funding infrastructure that we have. Um, but there's no reason why, if an investigator has a bright idea that encompasses UK feeling, that can't be, you know, branded as a BTOG study, like a BTOG yeah. 3, BTOG 4. And I'm very keen that we, um, you know, use that brand to ensure we have UK reach with our uh, research uh, studies. So, you know, I think one of the things that we will be moving forward with in the next uh, two years is our research agenda as well. Which I think is slightly complementary uh, and, and mm. not competing with with the NCRI uh, agenda, which is which is quite different. And that brings us very neatly onto my last question, which is, we're going to have thousands of people listening to this, obviously, and they're all going to be saying, "How do I how do I get involved? Um, how can I do more?" I guess number one, we would say become a BTOG member, which you can do through the website. Um, how else might people get involved if they're interested in BTOG and what we do? Well, you know, if you've got bright ideas for things that you want to hear about on a webinar or a, or a podcast or um, a topic that you think is really undeserved, that needs um, uh, overview, you know, just write in info at btog.org. Just write in uh, with your views. If you want to uh, give up some time to do something locally, 
uh, we can support that. Um, you know, we want people that are going to be part of the solution, yeah. not part of the problem. So, yeah, you know, definitely. come and join us, be part of the solution. Absolutely. We've got lots of problems, need more solutions. Brilliant. Well, that takes us to the end of our allocated uh, 20 minutes. Uh, so uh, thank you very much, uh, Sanjay Popat, for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope that gave you an insight into the wonderful world of BTOG. You won't be surprised to hear that for more information on BTOG and everything that we do, you can visit www.btog.org. Um, and thank you very much for listening. <laughs>